Welcome to We're Not Finished, a podcast presented by the studios of Key West. I'm Gwen Filosa. I'm a reporter at the Miami Herald. The studios is a leading art institution in South Florida. It's located downtown at 533 Eaton Street. For a list of events and more programming like this, go to tskw.org. Bridget Tatum, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Now, you have been a successful singer-songwriter in, uh, in country music and elsewhere, um, and you're on your way to Key West for the Songwriters I, Festival. I am for what I think is the 17th year. Yes, love it. What is it about the festival that makes it special? You play all over, but this one down here just keeps getting bigger. It's huge. It's massive. Uh, for me, it's the people. I mean, I know people go there for the sunshine, for the alcohol, for hanging the bars, whatever. I don't know. I go there because there's people there that actually love the concentrated efforts of the songwriters and what we do for a living. It's, it's amazing. The support is amazing. Now, as a songwriter, did you grow up in a musical family? What, when did you know, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this? Yes, I actually did. So along about 11, 12 years old, I got exposed to country music. But prior to that, Hee Haw is something I sat around with my papa and watched. So I got exposed to the old country music. But my family had a Southern gospel group. And so I started in tent revivals and Pentecostal churches and Baptist churches and Methodist churches. And we would travel around with a group at that time that was called the Roman Road. And they never took it to a level of, okay, let's go on the road with the show. It was more like local churches and things that we played. But um, that's why I'm so insane on stage. I still love Jesus, but there were no rules when we did what we did. So I loved that you could, it was all about making people feel it. It wasn't about the way it sounded. It wasn't that it was perfect. It was just the way that it made people feel. And that is what started me on a path and a journey. And later on, my mom ended up dating a cowboy from uh, Texas, and he let me experience Clint Black and Garth Brooks one day. And Garth Brooks, If Tomorrow Never Comes, was yeah. a song that tunnel vision for me where I'm like, wow, you can write songs that are that. I mean, I just remember that moment, even with my mom. I don't know if it's because she was just so happy or what, but those lyrics in that song, I'm like, wow, you can write things like this. So that kind of just helped me tunnel vision everything for where I wanted to go in Nashville, Tennessee. I love meeting people who um, came up singing or performing in the church in their churches because, I mean, just what a what, what a great way to you know become part of something or to learn. What was that like when you found your voice? Wild. I don't think you just wake up one day and go, I think I'm going to do this. I think it does absolutely. Uh, I don't think you find it. I think it finds you. I think you kind of get picked by it and then I think from there you go okay I'm going to pick this back so for me it was pretty wild I didn't I didn't know why I could sing I didn't know how I could sing I had a mom that sang and a dad and she kind of helped me dot the I's across the T's she was my mom's great singer and I was like you don't know what to do with it it's just it's just like uh, somebody handing you a package and you open it up and then they go hey here's a here's a million dollars and you're like I don't don't know what to do with this so I, I just uh it's a priceless gift. And I treat it like that and respect it like that. So I didn't at first know what to do with it. And then I think, you know, kind of from a spiritual guided point of view, you figure out what to do with it. It's great. Now I I love the song titles, by the way, your music's great, but the song titles, (laughs) oh my gosh. um, I like my Cowboys dirty. Yes, ma'am. Perfect. And hillbilly rock star. What, yes, what, what inspires you? Are these? Are you always jotting things down? Are these? Are they personal experiences, or where does it come from? 
I think it's a combo of all things. I mean, I could be talking to you right now and you say something that's just so inspirational that it's like, hey, that's just, that's got, song's got to be written. I think it's always that the song wants to be written and we're listening for that. But yeah, I have a kind of a slang take here and there. I'm a big, I'm a big Jerry Reed fan. I'm a big Roger Miller fan. And I think the way that they twisted words and the way they took country. I also grew up alongside Southern gospel music, loving rap and hip-hop music so people like Ludacris and Missy Elliott grew me up too I like it um now you've had tremendous success uh kind of out of the gate 2009 2010 in 2009 um She's Country became the most played song on country radio stations across the country tell us about how that came about how that happened and what what it was like when it hit kind of kind of what we were just talking about I think uh for me with that song I'm from South and uh, finally was able to rhyme that word, you know, because we're always looking for the next best rhyme that we can find. And finished that out with Danny, took it in, and it was moving pretty rapid. That wasn't normal for all of country music, and using a loop world wasn't normal. And Lord knows, did we know we were going to break out into what we have now? We did not know. But, um, you know, you don't know you don't know what it's going to be, but I just thought it was uh, talking about country girls in a new way. We didn't have our own song, and I'm like, well, we have a rocking song to listen to why we got to keep singing about babies are cool and boyfriends are cool and husbands are cool and jobs are whatever you know but why don't we get trucks why don't we get to sing about this lifestyle so for me where I'm from those girls are real they're floating around everywhere I'm country and uh where we're from a lot of those girls do take their trucks and their daddy's jacket up for them so that's all I could see in my head when I started that out um and then it became every girl in the world right like as many of them as we could put in the song so every lyric that's in that song every place visits somebody I either know or somebody that inspired that that maybe I didn't know them but there was a moment I caught with them in a meet and greet line or something uh big Garth fan so Kansas got thrown into that from his efforts of relief with that I'm just uh mother trucker I've always wanted to say mother trucker I love it and I'm like man there's women out there that are driving trucks like let's throw this up to all of them and and who knew what it was going to be when Danny he helped me finish it out and he came up with that great guitar lick that you hear on it and the riff and in the studio, he was just kind of being stupid. He just was going, Hey, you ever met a real country girl? You know, he's just talking in the mic and it stuck. And then uh, the demo originally had this triple timed banjo on it and they slowed that down because we might've, maybe we freaked them out too much, but I didn't know that that was a new, I didn't have a clue. I'm just writing my country music. Right. I didn't know. And then the next thing, you know, it was new and it, it shifted the genre into a whole other spectrum. Now, when it comes to songwriting, um, what's what's it like to write with someone and what's it like to kind of be on your own? I mean, what's a different different process like? That's a great question. I think when you're on your own, you're a lot more scared. <laughs> you don't have anybody to bounce it off of. It's just you and you. And that is a very special inspired thing to me if I'm going to write by myself. It's going to be something so poignant that I can't get away from and it has to be written. And I don't know. Sometimes I know I don't need to bounce this off of somebody. I need to sit in this room and kind of let it let it guide me. Co-writing, though, when you get a couple people in the room or three or four, however many, if you're in pop music, like 19. But co-writing is a special thing because the perspectives of each individual. So there's a lot of tears sometimes. Sometimes there's a lot of laughs. Sometimes there's a lot of whiskey. You know, you just don't know what the room is going to bring. What um this is the question every female musician and artist, you know, can't stand but gets asked all the time. 
Mm. Um, being a woman in a male-dominated industry, if, if that's what it is anymore, I don't music biz. Um, are there challenges, or I've heard people say all kinds of different responses to that? Or are you treated a certain way? Do you have to maybe work harder or stand up for yourself? I think all of that, and not in and not in this like go female empowerment way either. Like all that, I, I burn that bridge over here. That's not. I don't. I don't even look at it like that. I think that we are all capable of doing anything that we want to do. I do think that there are some perimeters around that, some walls that you do have to bust through. But I think as a female, what you have to make up your mind about is if I can be smart enough in business and I can be smart enough in a creative atmosphere as well, then I have more to bring to the table than just TNA, right? Let's just put it out there what it is. And you don't necessarily have to have a man to do that for you. Sometimes I think where we lose as females is we don't sit on our own and hone our craft or hone our business. We keep going to these things that have worked before. We're like, oh, God, I need that or I need this. Whereas I think if we'd sit back a little bit, study ourselves, study how we want to do business, study our creative process, really know ourselves in those aspects, then I think we know what we have to bring to the table. Now, is that mountain different for everybody yeah I mean I had to climb hills that I didn't know were going to be there but I think I kind of knew going into this too I was going to have to climb and regardless of where you are you got to climb right I mean you don't know what your path is going to look like or your journey it's just putting your head down and working hard it doesn't matter what it is but in this industry it's putting your head down and working hard and you got to have thick skin and you got to be a duck at the same time and have thick skin let it roll off and let it not penetrate and continue on with what you're doing on your path it can be hard. I'm not going to blame it on that. I've done pretty good. I've been really blessed. Uh, there's a guy, there's a guy that guides me, but his name is God. I kind of mm. follow that guy and he, he seems to set me in the right situations and with the right people. But I do think that you got to pay attention to that and you can't be distracted by this business and what it tells you when you get here, come here and be quiet, study it for a bit. I did that for two years when I got here. I'm like, I think I need to know how this works. And I went to college at the same time and study those contracts, you know, know what, know what they're putting down on paper with you, know what you're getting into successful career along the way because of that. So I think don't believe the hype. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't think it's one thing is the end all be all search for your place, make your place. If you have to cut it out with a, with a rock saw, I don't care how you have to do it. There's a place for you. You weren't accidentally given a gift and you weren't accidentally given songs. You've got to see that through. You're going to sweat a lot. You might cry a lot. You might be angry a lot. Sort those things out and keep your head down and work hard. Well, that's great. Key West is such a music town. And I recently went around and interviewed like 20 working musicians who do it for a living here. And what I was struck by is how hard they work. I mean, these one one fella plays every night and, and sometimes three times a night. And they say they love it, but this really is a job. I mean, how... Um, everyone thinks it's, uh, I'm sure it's fun. I mean, everyone thinks it's so easy, but what are, what are the uh, challenges for someone who wants to do this for a living? I think mental rest, honestly. I think finding a place to have your your mental rest away from everything because you're so creative in the brain and that's constantly going, right? And there's so much business that's constantly going and you got to think about this and you can think about that. There's so many intricate details that define what you're doing 
I think the best advice I could ever give anybody or the, the exhausting part of it, of advice I could give somebody is don't try to let yourself be exhausted. Don't think that every single thing is something you've got to be at. Don't network yourself to death. Pick the opportunities that are right for you where you need to be maybe in this situation. But how about I don't stay till the place closes? Go home. Get your rest. Mm. You got to have you got to have your umph about you when you're going to be writing songs. You got to have that gusto about you. You got to have that energy. You got to have what you got to give on stage. You got to have your time with whatever you believe in. You've got a family. You've got people in your life. Those things are important. That's important for your grounding. But definitely don't neglect your mental rest just because you're so passionate, desperate to do it because you're going to afford the whole thing you do that talk about key west i mean we live a lot of us live here and we take it for granted and it's such a musical town and an arts town but what what do you think about when you think about playing here oh my gosh i think about complete chaos then i love it it's just like uh when i go to vegas and you have all that chaos going i get a million song ideas out of that place because the energy Key West has such energy to it. Everybody keeps telling me that it's uh, back. I've not quite experienced that section of it. I have felt all of the energy. So uh, as soon as I start thinking about Key West and playing there, I start thinking about my game plan of how to survive it. (laughs) But I love it. It goes off on all fireworks for uh, this will be the 10th year for 10 years now. I've done Bridget Tatum and Friends over at Island Dogs and, and been a part of this BMI Festival for 17 and, to, and just kind of grew something amazing over there at Island Dogs that the locals were coming to hang. And, and I just think about all that energy and how good that feels. Um, I don't know that y'all take it for granted. I don't know. I think there's a lot of people in Key West that love it. And y'all know how special it is. It's a special place. There's something for everybody there. I mean, there's something for everybody there. But I think the special thing is that Key West opens its arms wide for the songwriters. And that's very unique how you guys do that and, t- and take us in there. But energy. I think about fireworks going off everywhere. Because I'm I'm from a small town in Indiana, and Key West at its core. I mean, yes, it's an international destination. It's it's this you know it's kind of fancy in places, but it's really just a small town. It's like Mayberry with a little bit of a drinking problem. But I mean, it's such a small town. <laughs> and it's like um, Mayberry with sand and alcohol. Right? There you go. It's, it really is. I mean, we all like look out for each other, and it's there's so many small town things. And um, is Florence a small town? Florence, South Carolina. My, my town, my town is this same situation in that small town mentality, right? Everybody kind of knows each other. And I grew up on amazing barbecue and our food there. That's a deal to us all around there, which it is even in Key West. They're like, you got to get the key lime pie, right? Um, it is. What happens is you're on the way to Myrtle Beach by the time you get to my town. And so that's expanded now. But the mentality is exactly the same. doesn't matter how big it grows or how wide it gets. Those are still my people when I come home. Those are home people, home turf. And it's still it's still slow South Carolina. And I love it for that. Yeah, I love being there in South Carolina. My parents live in Charleston. And I love oh, beautiful place. Area. Now, we got to talk about barbecue because that's a huge thing in my life. I like Carolina barbecue. Will you explain for us that barbecue is not about the sauce? Although I love what y'all use, but... Like it's tell us what real barbecue should be like. Okay, well, honestly, where I'm from, if we're gonna go and and we're gonna keep your barbecue right on up, if you don't have a shed out there that you're cooking it in, where they where they continuously smoke that throughout the day, and they get they work in some of the flavor from what you're talking about with the sauce, 
we don't work in a lot of it. So it has like a uh, not a wet consistency, but not a dry consistency. If barbecue's not like that, we ain't eating it. And then if it's not vinegar based, where I'm from, vinegar and pepper based, then we're probably not going to eat that either. But we use uh, usually that back strap. So it's to me, I always call it clean barbecue, right? They don't throw all the fatty part of the pig in there. It's a very wow. clean barbecue. So it's it's just the meat itself without all of that, but they keep that around for the flavoring. It's just, you're not getting all that thrown in on your barbecue plate. You're getting true meat on your barbecue plate. But from there, they only incorporate a little bit of the sauce. We don't do none of that sweet sugar stuff. None of that. It's all vinegar, pepper-based. Uh, if you go into North Carolina, sometimes they have that mustard-based stuff. I don't know. I don't do that. Um, they tried to tell me about Memphis here. I went, I'm like, this is not barbecue. So uh, if they ain't smoking it out of that shed and they don't know what vinegar and pepper base is, probably if it's not a buffet, we're not going. I like Literally, it. it's, it's, it's so many good places there. Like uh, Woodstone's there, but Rogers has been there in Florence forever. Great barbecue. And then there's a place called the Schoolhouse that they had opened up. Um, but anywhere around like Sherall and, and places, I was Olana. Olana's got a place called Country Cousins. When I go home, I go, I go to Olana and it ain't nothing but like this big with an IGA and then this tiny little barbecue restaurants along the way, but the best barbecue and it's just a tiny little buffet. And, you know, you go through, we do white rice with, uh, what we call red gravy, but it's barbecue gravy mm. that we put on that. It's a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I've had red eye gravy. And I'm like, no, it ain't even remotely that. So they use part of the sauce and that gravy has more of a sweet taste to it. More of that kind of texture. It's not, a, it's, it's a thicker and it's, and it's pepper based, but not like our sauce which is thinner that's why when i see these thick sauces i'm like well y'all drowning this barbecue y'all ain't even letting it you ain't even letting it taste like anything oh, so um where i'm from good. that's what i experienced as barbecue so it's hard for me to go get it and eat it anywhere else no i appreciate it because now i want to go there i was in austin recently and i'd never been there and i ate barbecue every day and then i had to stop because it was a little too much brisket but i just it, to me it's an art form it, it has it is an art form I remember I went to Texas and they laid it out for me and they brought it on this plate. And I was like, why is this pink? And they were like, what? And I said, why is this barbecue pink? And, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, we don't do this. I don't know what this is. So I went back and told my family all about it. I'm like, yeah, they tried to convince me barbecue in Texas. And I told them they're still not getting that figured out all the way. <laughs> but other than that, they're real nice people. And I love Texas. Very nice. Very nice people. It is different. It's different there. And um, what, talk about when you, when you're a songwriter, are, I know everyone's trying to make a living and, and are there, are there times you're like, no, I'm saving this for myself or, or are there? Oh man, that's hard. There's a, uh, you know, in the recent years, I've had people ask me about recording songs. It's time for me to make a new record and I'm, I'm going to work on that, but I've been writing for artists for so long right now and writing for the cut, so to speak, that I haven't had time to concentrate on that. There's recently been a couple songs that I've written with some female artists where I've gone, man, I would have cut that tomorrow if they'd have sent it to me. So there are moments where I think you're trying to get that other artist, but you end up getting the artist in you out. And yeah, I mean, there's some songs that, that here and there I'd like to keep them, but I know it's the right move that they're doing it too. Like they're, they're pushing on ahead in their career and they need them for their own entertainment purposes of their audience. Cause I just, um, I love finding out who, who writes certain songs that, that I love. And is it, do they make it their own? Does the song change or do you still feel ownership of it or when someone else records it? Well, that's an interesting question. And that was probably my first fear that I ever had when uh, Michael, which is Jason's producer, was rolling up with She's Country. I thought, 
I mean, literally in my head, I was going, please, please let him not have taken the balls out of this song. And uh, he rolled up, he had a Hummer, he rolled up, he blared it. And I was like, thank you. Y'all didn't take the balls out of the song. I mean, that's what I said to him. But yeah, I was kind of, I was kind of nervous in that moment because I'm like, man, they watered this down because this song is too slamming to water it down, but they didn't. Then there's some other songs that are some cut where I'm like, ah, man, they kind of missed that mark or that I felt like they missed that mark on it. It lost the energy. I'm always about energy, whether that's a ballad or whether that is a, a tempo or a mid-tempo. It's just, it still has to have and house this energy in it for the audience, right? So there's some songs that I've been a little taken back by where I'm like, okay, I don't know exactly where you were going with that, but that, hey, that's art. The benefit of what they're doing, and it's the same way I think as an artist, I'm going to do it the way I'm going to do it. I'm, I mean, I'm going to put fire and gasoline on it. That's me, right? That's just who I am. And every other artist is not necessarily that way. Well, this woman is, Tanya Tucker is. No, I'm just saying, I learned from people like this. So I love anything that's going to get right to the jugular, so to speak, of the heart. And some people soften it up and they, they, that's not the direction they take, which is okay too. It's all art. Wait, does your hat say Tanya Tucker? Yes, ma'am. Oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah, I love her. Where I did you her. get that? Have you ever seen her in person or heard her um, sing live? Or Oh yeah, she used to live up the way from me where I, where I was over in College Grove. And uh, I'd run into her there at the store when they were making their late night beer runs. There was like one store that was open. I'd see her there. I mean, hell, at the county fair around here, she's standing around smoking her cigarettes. Um, I've seen her live. She's incredible. I've always thought she's incredible. Her stories are epic. So for anybody that they ever say, oh, she's a badass, I'm like, no. Tanya Tucker is still alive, and that's why we're not all badasses. But she just celebrated 50, 50 years, her 50th year of Delta Dawn. Oh, my God. I love her. I, yeah, I do, too. I do, too. I do, too. She's unbelievable. For real country singer, for real delivered every single time. Um, the stories that she has, I mean, I would love it if she sat down and wrote her own book, like mm-hmm. even more detailed than anything else that ever been told, because those are going to be some stories to read one day. Uh, Bridget, you've been so great, but I have one quick question. And then um, I have had a baby Taylor guitar um, for years and I tried to learn it's guitar is too hard. Like, should I take lessons? Should I go to YouTube? It's just too hard. You know what? I'm going to say this because I had a, a guitar player that told me this in the past. Honestly, if you learn G, C and D, you probably can write all the country music that you want to. I would start with that first. Um, it seems hard on the front end. I had two lessons. I had money for two lessons. We just didn't have a lot of money when I was a kid. And we had, had money for two lessons and took two lessons. He goes, what do you want me to teach you? And I said, I want you to teach me to play a song. And he goes, well, we have two lessons. And I said, well, I got to get it quick then. Nice. So uh, from landslide, everything just kind of built. I'm a left-handed player. So I had a right-handed guitar. So there's a lot of muted strumming going on because that's the only way I could play the guitar, right? So that incorporated into my style of guitar playing. The rest of it's just, it's been all by ear. You got to just spend, you have to date your guitar. I tell okay. all the female guitar players that want to play, these guys date their guitars. You got to date your guitar. You got to hold that thing in your lap. You got to love that thing and you got to let it love you back. So you think I can do it? I absolutely think you can do it. <laughs> you can do this. This is complicated putting all this together. You can do this. I'm barely holding on, Bridget. This is I'm well, well, you have been. You might be a barely holding on guitar player. You might be a barely holding on guitar player, but you can do it. All right, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna try. I believe you. But you have been. Uh, 
such a pleasure to talk to you and uh bridget tatum thank you Joanne. can't wait till you're here in key west at the songwriters festival and um thanks again we'll we'll see you soon all right thank you kindly see you soon key west Sonaris, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me, Gwen. You are super famous in QS and elsewhere. You are, you are. You are so well known and you're booked all over clubs and bars. And you, when I think of you, though, I think of you on the top of Sloppy Joe's on New Year's Eve running this huge party. Oh, man. Yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite events, too. It's, uh, it's it's crazy as where I come from, and just to be able to do all these these great events, like you say, I, I just love what I do. And I saw you once at the Green Parrot. What's it like to be on stage at the Green Parrot? I mean, it, it's known for live music, and here you are up there um, making the crowd go nuts with um, as a DJ. Uh, it was amazing. I was told I was the first DJ ever to play their solo on stage and it was during our fantasy fest week and it was amazing i just had a ball uh i had the crowd into it the bartenders were surprised but surprised pleasantly uh that a dj did so well there by himself but uh like i said i love my job i love what i do and i like to think i bring something different to the table when i'm out there uh doing my thing now how did you get started um as as a DJ or uh, what what brought you uh, how'd you get your big break tell us all about it uh, the big break came uh, actually at Sloppy Joe's uh, I was a 21 year old kid uh, in the Navy I needed a part time job and I started there as security actually and about a year I was getting bored of it and I think I was getting ready to like move on to something else and uh, the DJ got fired there for drinking on the job and uh, they were like, hey, uh, Samaras, have you ever thought about DJing? I'm like, no, but they see, they see me out a lot, partying, having a good time. It's like, why don't you bring that energy to our DJ booth? We'll give you a shot. We'll train you. I was like, all right, let's do it. And I've loved it ever since. Uh, like I said, I've been doing it since I was 22, 23 years old now. And how old are you now? Oh, I got my 40th coming up in June what? 6th. You've been doing it that long. Happy oh, birthday! Yeah. I'm I'm 50 now, which is surprising. But um, and what 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 is your Key West story? You you got here uh, while you were in the Navy. Is that how you discovered? Yes, you? Navy brought me down here. I was stationed on the uh, USS Constellation out of San Diego. Um, we were part of our wrecking freedom. Uh, once we came back from our last deployment, the ship got decommissioned, and everybody on the ship got new orders and they gave you a wish list. You pick three spots. I'm from Georgia. I want to be closer to home, but not home. So it was Miami, Jacksonville, and for, you know, shits and giggles, Key West. Why not? <laughs> and I, Key West. I left up and got Key West and that's how I got down here. I thought I was going to be here for maybe a year and a half. I ended up re-enlisting and got out and stayed because I love the island so much. Now, how, how do you, 
choose what to play as a DJ. I, when I go to um, the occasional club, uh, I'm just, I'm like, wow, I don't know these songs. I don't know these remixes. I am stuck in this nineties um, wave. I, I, I'm still listening to Billie Eilish first. I mean, how do you keep up? Do you, are you just constantly having to listen to Spotify? <laughs> Spotify is a great tool. Uh, streaming services have made it a uh, whole lot easier, I would say, to uh, to keep up. Also, uh, I like to go listen to my other DJs or other bands around town in the music scene. Uh, and again, not just DJs, but bands, they are playing remixes and, and, and stuff that I wouldn't think of mixing or whatever. Just, just trying to listen to everybody, even just watching the crowd as they come in. And and uh, I know this is a bad no-no for some DJs, but I don't mind taking a recommendation. I don't, I don't say a request, a recommendation. Hey, you hear what's going on? He's like, oh, I think I think the DJ might like this song. They'll come up. I'm nice. All right, I'll get it in where it fit in. You know, but uh, I, I uh, multiple ways to uh, stay uh, current in the music. What is the, what's the greatest, newest uh, music that you're playing and that everyone should know about. In, in give me some hints, <laughs> give me some tips. Uh, uh, one thing I was never, I wasn't strong in down here. I'm a guy from Georgia, uh, but uh, the Latin scene, the Latin music with the uh, everybody, everybody's getting into Latin right now. As you should, this is South Florida. We are QS, but this is South Florida. I mean, Cuba's right there, Puerto Rico's right there, so. You got to have your reggaeton, your merengue, but now they're coming into some of the more uh, other genres, popular genres, pop, uh, and the rappers getting into it, pop singers are getting into it, country singers are getting into it. I mean, it's just the, the Latin scene, the Latin music scene is just where it's at right now, I think. And what what makes a, a great DJ when at a club, at a regular, you know, uh, night on a regular night at the club, what, what is it that may, I'm, I'm sure it's something everybody thinks they can do except me. Um, but <laughs> what does it take to, to, to make it happen? Uh, for me, I, I, one of the things I like to do, I always have good energy. It's, some nights are going to be, it's just going to be a bad night sometimes, but I always have the energy because you never know who's going to walk in. And oh man, there's come this group of bachelorettes. All right, let's get this. Uh, let's get some single ladies going on or something. You know, they're gonna get them going. And uh, just and that's another thing I, kept, I think I said before. Just being able to read the crowd, feel the crowd, see where they want to go, uh, and um, have fun. This I this is DJing. This, this is a career you're supposed to have fun in. I hate to go uh, watch a DJ sometimes, and they're just. Back there, looking angry, pushing buttons, like jump around, sing along, get the crowd into it, show some showmanship. That's yeah, I, I love the showmanship in my DJs and and then bands, of course, uh, when they're out there on stage, get the now, crowd in. I, I love that. Now, how well can you dance? Are you a good dancer? <laughs> I'm. I'm t- I've been told I I do a pretty good jig on stage. <laughs> Uh, but not professionally trained or anything. Just that was just something that we did at my my family all the time. Like our family reunions, there was always this big dance at at the beach or a park or at some recreation center. We always had this big dance, and yeah, of course, they always put the kids out there. Go out there, kids, show what you can do. And I was one of those kids growing up. 
and no fear at all. I was, I was like, all right, we're just having fun. And that's that's how I feel about when I'm on stage. Like, it doesn't feel like work to me. It's like, I'm just out here having fun with a bunch of people, but I'm getting paid to do it. <laughs> the best. I, I have a couple of side jobs like that. I What are your tips for dancing? Because I like to dance, but I have no idea. <laughs> like, I mean, my friend taught me, he's like, just turn, turn left and right and either move your upper body or your lower, not, not the same. I don't know what help me. Uh, the easiest thing is like, um, I, I know it's kind of like a cliche, but dance like nobody's watching. I mean, just feel, do what you want to do. Feel dance like how you want to dance. Like what's going to make you happy. And people may laugh or people may be like, Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. You never know. <laughs> I, I, I do both. Both is happening to me. Sometimes I look like an idiot out there. Sometimes I look like I've made up some new move. But I don't care. I'm having a good time. That's what dancing is about. Expression. <laughs> now, how would how would you describe um, the, the the music that you offer or what you play? I'm sure you play everything, but I mean, what I mean is it rhythm and blues based, for example? Or is it tech? Do, do you can I call it techno still? Techno house. Uh, I, I, I that's one of the things I get. I hear from a lot of people is that when they come hear me, they like that they hear everything. It's not just you know pop or what's on the radio right now. Like I'll take it back to throwbacks, all those seventies. I'll throw some uh, country in there, some reggae, uh, some calypso. You never know. Again, whatever the crowd's feeling, that's what I'm going to play. Um, but yeah, I, I, I guess I can even term, you know, GJ. I'm a genre GJ, DJ. I like to play it all. That's great. And um, <laughs> tell me about um, what is it like when the crowd is just involved and how, do, I mean, do you, do you kind of, kind of know when you're doing well or how, you know, how do you oh. know when you're hitting it? When everybody's jumping around, they're feeling each other. Everybody's having a good time with each other. And then when they're all looking at me, like as if there's a certain song I'm singing with along, and they start singing along, and everybody's just bouncing. I, I there's a popular video out uh, from one of the tutu parties that General Horseplay. Uh, I think this track was Happier, and the crowd. I was up there in my tutu. I walked away from the DJ booth. I'm jumping around dancing, and there's this part where it just gets ready to get really hype. Everybody got quiet. And then everybody starts bouncing at the same time right along with me. When you, that feeling is just amazing. It's just, uh, you want that every single night, every single night, whether you're hosting, whether you're DJing, it's just a great feeling. Now, what is the etiquette for people? Do you take requests from, I mean, you're working, you're up there, you have a, a plan, but is, tell, tell us how this works. Um. Yeah, uh, most places I, I allow people to come up and, you know, some people, DJs are like, no, no, no requests, whatever. But, uh, if they're, and it also depends on the person. If they're being nice, they're being polite about it and say, hey, you're doing such a great job. Uh, would you mind playing this? And one of the best ways I would tell people they can do a request instead of coming up and talking to us because we're trying to listen, like bring up the phone. Like, hey, I got a recommendation. Everybody has phone. Everybody has Google. Type up the song. If I have it, I'll say, hey, I'll get it. I'll play it. Let me get it in when it fit in, though. I'm not going to play it right away. And a lot of people understand that. They don't want to mess up the vibe. They understand that. Or sometimes they come in and try to throw a track that they think it's going to fit in. And I'm like, 
okay, that might fit in. That's fine. Just be polite about it. Don't be demanding. Uh, people like to come throw money at me. I was like, hey. Oh, no. Let's not. I'm like, hey, there's a tip bucket there. That's if you're enjoying yourself, not to come demand what you want to hear. I had uh, I was at Havana Cabana uh, a few weeks ago, and I had a guy come and ask for a whole CD of a, a certain artist. I can't think of the name, but it was just a bunch of slow songs. I'm like, no, you can have, you can recommend one. And he started to pull out his mind. I said, that's not how it works. But if you want, if you have a particular song you want to hear, let me know and I'll put it on for you. No problem. And he understood, he ended up understanding. We talked and it was good. It was okay. That's great. You, uh, you handled that with, uh, grace. Cause I'm, he could just bring his headset and list headphones and listen to, <laughs> I'm just teasing. Cause no people, um, do that with the musicians and they want to hear Margaritaville and right, right. Do, people, do people ask you to play Margaritaville? Oh, I get people to ask me. I get people to actually play Jimmy Buffett all the time. And I'm like, wow. you get one, I get one a year that I'm like, all right, it's usually, it usually lasts maybe three days after January, after New Year's Eve. And somebody will come up, can you play some Jimmy Buffett? And I was like, sure. And I make sure I get on the microphone. This is the only Jimmy Buffett I'm playing for the year. <laughs> And everybody gets a kick out of it. And we can die out and get out of it. Yeah, every year, every year, every time. Uh, well, and is it Margaritaville? Do you go with the, the classic uh, overplayed? Yeah, so Margaritaville or five o'clock somewhere, especially if I'm at a place. I like that one. Yeah, that one is. Um... <laughs> will, <laughs> have you ever or will you play Dancing Queen? Oh, I love Dancing Queen. It's the best song ever. I love Dancing Queen. I mean, and then you got the original. There's so many other, you know, versions of it. As you said, techno version or anything like that. Yeah, love Dancing Queen. Love some of Donna. Yes. That's great. DJ Sonaris, you have been great. I really appreciate you taking the time. And I will, I'll probably see you at Publix. It's a small town. (laughs) (laughs) It is a small town. Thanks for listening to We're Not Finished, a podcast presented by the Studios of Key West. The Studios is a leading art institution in South Florida. It's located downtown at 533 Eaton Street. For a list of events and more programming like this, go to tskw.org.